Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I have another Conquer the Gauntlet Pro on the line with me, plus another guest. My co-host is back, Ashley Samples. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. So we get another Ashley episode and then another all-star female episode with another great athlete on the line. Uh, before we get to her, though, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by RecBag. Rec bag makes those weighted bags that you carried up the hill of Vermont at North American Obstacle Course Racing Championships. They are completely awesome. They're filled with basically synthetic beads, so when it rains and it gets wet, it doesn't add weight like a normal sandbag would. Um, they come in basically 10-pound increments and allows you to you know, buy whatever bag you want for your training. I personally have a 50 and a 70-pound. Ashley, what are your thoughts on Rec Bag? Rec bags are awesome. I love how they have the straps uh, to throw them up on your shoulder. You can do squats with them. I mean, it's not just running with them. A lot of it is um, lifting and, and body weight exercises as well. Yeah, I use mine for a lot of uh, hill training on my treadmill. So I'll crank the incline up, walk with the rec bag. And then what's nice about it is it's not going to bust open. So I can literally just like toss it off my shoulders and it just slams into the, the concrete ground in my garage and it's fine, right? It's not going to break. Um, Ashley, like Ashley was about to say, we do have a code. It is a CTG Protein 10, and that gets you 10% off your order from RecBag. Joining us on the podcast, we have Jamie Stiles, a high-level OCR athlete. We'll go through some of her bio, and then we'll say hi to her. So she played soccer in high school. Um, was on the cover of Fit Nation magazine uh, in 2016 with uh, Ashley and Jeanette Gardner. Uh, ran a sprint try in 2009. Uh, First competition in the fitness world besides high school soccer. Uh, she's done two figure competitions in 2010. Got into a little bit of CrossFit last year. Won mul- multiple local 5Ks, uh, first overall or top three. Um, some of her OCR highlights uh, finished fifth at a Spartan Beast. Uh, first overall in uh, Savage in 2015. Lot, ten overall podiums uh, under Savage, many age group spots. First overall, 2017 CTG Atlanta. In the OCR World Championship Pro Division 2017, she finished 10th in the 3K, top 25 in the 15K, and was the third place team for the females. And then at NORAM recently, finished 6th in the 3K for the Pro Ladies, 10th in the 15K, and 4th in the team category. So, Jamie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Man, I feel like it sounds so cool when you read it out loud. <laughs> well, yeah, you've, you've accomplished a lot in this sport, so I definitely wanted to get you on. And actually, when I asked you, I didn't realize you'd done figure competitions. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, too, during this episode. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Is this your first podcast? Um, yeah, officially, yes. I, I think I have some sound bites and maybe another one, but... I'm honestly not 100% sure, but no one's actually ever sat and interviewed me, so I'm going to say it's my first one. Boom. The Savage, <laughs> I feel like the Savage Ladies aren't getting a lot of love here, because we just had Rachel on uh, a couple weeks ago, and she, that was her first one, too. So 
Yeah, that's so crazy with all of her axes. I, I can't even believe it. <laughs> so awesome. So let's let's jump into it. So before we get into OCR, let's talk a little bit about figure competitions. So kind of tell people what that those are and kind of if you know the difference between like figure and fitness and physique type of stuff. <laughs> okay. So um, there's a few different categories. Basically, um, you're standing on stage covered in spray tan in a tiny little bikini, um, posing and um, being judged on your physique. So um, I did figure, um, which is below bodybuilding, where you think of like the really, you know, people might call manly. I don't, I don't know. I don't really like to say that, but you know, the really jacked up girls. So it's like a step below that. Um, bikini is. Um, a little bit below figure where, you know, you're posing, trying to be sexy. And I was just up there posing, trying to look fit. So um, I had friends that did that. And, you know, I used to get uh, magazines where I'd really idolize the women that, that did that type of thing. And I thought, I really, really want to try it. So I did. Cool. And now uh, since 2010, they've also added another division. There's physique, which is between figure and bodybuilding. So it's not too yes. too jacked but not uh too lean <laughs> it's yeah and they actually at the professional level they actually did away with uh, miss olympia so like female yeah. bodybuilding is essentially disappearing because it yeah it just doesn't draw the crowd and the uh you know people don't like that look because i mean the the women at the top professional level are on a lot of steroids and human growth hormone and stuff like that so um, yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I mean, those um, physique ladies are definitely something I admire, but nothing I could ever actually accomplish myself. I am just not built that way. But uh, I think that's a pretty interesting division as well. So how did you uh, decide to go down that route, and then why did you leave? Well, um, like I said, I, I had some friends that were – involved in it one in particular um she was doing bikini but um she you know talked to me about trying out to do figure because that's that's really the look that I liked I mean I just thought those women looked amazing and I I just wanted to be that you know like I said before saw them all in the magazines that I was would read like all the fitness all the magazines and um so she had a lot of friends in the industry and so she helped me with, um, you know, the diet and the workouts and, you know, figuring out how to look like how I, I needed to look. And so I kind of went down that route, and it was really addicting. It was so much fun. Like, the first time I got on stage, it was scary, but it was really exciting. Um, and the reason why I left, I only did two figure competitions, and um, to be honest, like as much as I loved that look and I, I really kind of saw the ugly side on how difficult it was to, to get that perfect look and it was always changing. And, um, so one of my, my very first competition, I actually did really well and I won it. Um, and I of course was over the moon. I was ready to do every competition out there, um, and then I did another competition, and I completely – there was no way I belonged on that stage when you compared me to the other girls. It was a, a, a pro card type of national 
show. I forget exactly um, the details. This was eight years ago, but it was very, very obvious that that I was not where I should be. And I really started to dislike the judgment on um, how you look. And um, so I, you know, you could try so hard to look a certain way, fit a certain mold, and then you get on stage and find out the judges kind of change their mind. So um, I just thought that was too hard of a standard to meet, one that never is exactly the same, and it just wasn't for me, and it kind of took a crap on my self-esteem, and I, I just decided that wasn't what I wanted to continue to do. Yeah, I did uh, lightweight natural bodybuilding before I got into OCR, and the uh, I definitely hear what you're saying, but it's very it's so very subjective, right? Like in an OCR, mm-hmm. someone beats you, and it's like, all right, well, they ran faster than me. There's no doubt there. You know, right. in these figure and fitness and bodybuilding competitions, it's very like, oh, well, the judge likes this better, or, you know, maybe the judge, one of his clients is on stage because you're at a local show, and so if it's like a toss-up between two athletes, it'll be like, well, I'm, I'll put my athlete in front just because I know him um, or her, right? It, it becomes it becomes so subjective, it can almost be frustrating. So I definitely hear you there. Yeah, and, and I had no idea how much, especially like what you're saying with if a judge has, is a coach and, you know, their athlete is up there or there's a, a team, you know, they're always going to be favored. So, you know, how do you compete with that? Yeah, so what did you did you pull any good lessons that you took out of figure, right? So you, you stopped doing the figure competitions. Did you pull any good lessons from that that you have taken with your the rest of your athletic career? I mean, definitely it's something that you have to work hard and you have to adapt. Um, you know, if a judge wants you to be, you know, have a little more muscle in the legs, you got to adapt your workouts. Um, so definitely, you know, trying to, to change a workout to meet a criteria, um, I think that kind of carries through. Uh, the nutrition, you know, that definitely helps. Like, you know, I went from, you know, I was the type that I used to be able to eat whatever I want, and then figuring out how to eat a certain way, then it affects your body a certain way with eating healthier. I mean, that definitely has carried on as well, so... I mean, those are a couple of things that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. I know for me, the like that, you know, it's more than just what you do in the gym. You know, I think people see, all right, well, you you lift weights in the gym for an hour, maybe two hours a day, right? But like with these figure and fitness co- figure and bodybuilding competitions, the hardest part is when you're not in the gym, right? It's like the other ninety percent of the day when you have to watch everything you eat, and it's not just like. Like, if you're training for a marathon, you do your run in the morning, and that's it. You're done for the day. Versus if you're doing something like this, like, every single aspect of your life revolves around preparing for a show. It's, like, yeah. it's like almost insane. Like, people look at you like you're out of your mind when you're in a meeting, and you're like, well, it's feeding time, and I got to eat my chicken breast, like, right now. Otherwise, I'm going to be hangry all day, and you're not going to want to work with me. So, Right. And it's crazy, like, even the uh – the nutrient timing i mean i know that's important with your workouts now anyway but you know if you want to look super dry on stage or you want to you don't want to look flat you know like what you eat right beforehand it's just crazy how your body just immediately adapts and changes just crazy but you know i'm glad to not be a part of that anymore (laughs) a little too much stress (laughs) yeah 
So how did you ultimately make the transition to OCR? My fiance and his um, sister were um, really getting into running and you know, I would never have considered myself a runner, which is kind of funny when you think that I was in soccer in high school. You know, I ran all the time back then, but, you know, maybe it was the whole figure competition brainwashing me into not wanting to run and do cardio. So <laughs> I was not a runner, but um, they were getting into running, and so I kind of followed suit, and um, that's when uh, his sister had told me about this um obstacle course race that she had done gosh I, I don't even remember what it was called but she said how fun it was so I kind of looked up and that's when I found Savage Race and this was in 2013 so I ended up saying why not and I signed up for it and uh, that kind of started the OCR addiction awesome so when you started Savage Race would you rate, wait until the next season or the next scheduled savage race or did you start to branch out from there because being from florida i know there was like a huge emergence of local ocrs or mud runs um did you get involved in those as well or were you pretty brand specific well since i really didn't know much about um any kind of obstacle course race at all i um stuck with savage at first um, so I think it was the spring that I had done my first Savage. And then, yeah, so spring of 2013. So, and I only signed up for one of the fun waves. I didn't know anything about the pro stuff. Um, so, you know, I ended up waiting until that fall and did another one for fun. I did that, um, uh, with James and his sister. And, um, you know, back then I, I still had that comp the competitive um, feel, so, you know, I get maybe it was back from doing the figure stuff, or maybe that's just kind of how I am in general, but um, I ended up looking at my time and thinking that, you know, that really isn't a bad time compared to some other people, so then the next one, I decided I was going to sign up competitive, and uh, once I did that, that's, I think, when I started to branch out into you know, looking for other races to to fulfill my need for <laughs> obstacle course racing because I mean, I I didn't realize just how many were out there and that how many were starting to come out there as well. Do you, Do you think that obstacle course racing became like an addiction for you, or how do you feel like that transition went, or what could you compare it to in your life? Well, I think that. Uh, the feeling of a, accomplishment when you finish the race is really the addicting part and I just had so much fun doing it and the little you know competitiveness in me makes me want to do another and do another and see it, how well I did and you know the thing that I really liked about it is um, not only just like the obstacles and doing all that but to have something to kind of compare myself to compared to the last one. So now I was like, oh, I, I raced it and finished it in this time, and now I need to beat that next time. And so then there was always this kind of drive to want to sign up and do another one and do better. So it's just kind of snowballed from there. Have you ever failed an obstacle at Sag Race? And if so, did that 
drive you to become stronger or would you say it pushed you further out of the sport? Oh, absolutely. I failed obstacles there for sure and other races also. Um, I would say that, you know, at first it's disheartening, but, you know, it definitely makes me want to be able to complete it. Um, So the thing that, the one that I can think of in particular was, Fast forward a little bit into my OCR career, if you will, and um, there was a uh, particular savage race that was freezing cold. Ashley, I'm not sure if you were at this one, but it was in Georgia where temperatures in the 40s, it had 30-mile-per-hour winds, and, you know, I could not complete sawtooth. I started to get hypothermic. Um, it was really, really, really hard on me mentally to not be able to complete that but you know it definitely made me want to work on my grip strength after that so that way even if it is colder weather I could still kind of push through it so I mean of course hypothermia is a whole nother story in itself but you know definitely that's upper body grip strength type of things have been something that I always try to work on a little more because of failing an obstacle so after that, how did you adjust your training uh, mentally or physically so you were better prepared the next time? Oh, hanging on things more. <laughs> more pull-ups, um, you know, changing my grip with pull-ups. Um, that's definitely been something to help. Um, just thinking of different ways, like different grips. Probably, you know, if you don't have access to, like, a bunch of um, – grip holds you can always improvise and like use dish towels for example and hang them on a pull-up bar and and you know grip the dish towels because it makes you just have to use your grip in such a different way and it really you know strengthens your hands in a in a way that um like regular pull-ups wouldn't so it's just different things like that Cool. Now, what is it that keeps bringing you back to Savage? Because looking through your race resume, you've got a lot of you know great finishes, OCRWC, NORAM, and stuff like that. But you know, an overwhelming majority of your podium finishes are Savage. So why do you keep coming back to them? Oh, well, there's so many reasons to come back to Savage. I mean, the obstacles are definitely by far I would want to say that like the highest quality, um, like as far as my experience anyway, and I'm sure there's other races that I haven't actually done that, that might be able to, you know, compete with them as well. But I just, I love the obstacles. They always change them. Of course, they have a few um, standard obstacles, but they even find ways to tweak those a little bit, like um, changing sawtooth, for example. Um, The venue is always a really nice venue. The, the atmosphere is just so much fun. Um, part of it is also that was my very first OCR that really got me into it. And, you know, I kind of have a sentimental feeling with that as well. So overall, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Savage. Now, you also finished third overall for the females at the OCRWC 2017 Pro Division. Tell us a little bit about that race and your teammates. <laughs> Oh man, so that was that was really fun. It was tough but fun. That was back in Canada. So Ashley and myself, and then we had um, Jacqueline. Um, 
she's a MIT member and you know I'm also a, a member of MIT Tough Team and um, so we created our MIT United that particular race and three of us got together Ashley was speed of course because she's so fast um, I did <laughs> I did technical and um, Jacqueline did the strength thank god <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I think we I both never said that. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So that that was really awesome. So um, it was cold and rainy yeah. <laughs> and it muddy. Was. Yeah, and but you know what? We still killed it. <laughs> yeah, it was. It actually worked to our advantage that it was raining because that race. Um, I would say who would have finished in the top spot were people whose speed person got stuck at the monkey bars in the rain. So it ended up being a matter of who could get through those monkey bars to get their team a little further ahead. And then, of course, when it was raining, you know, Jamie had quite quite the feet ahead of her with rain and doing the technical part. So it, it was kind of... It was almost kind of a replay of the NORAM team day this year and how rain really played a major part into how the team played out. Yeah, for sure. I'm seeing a trend here with rain and helping out people who normally run Savage or CTGs at these championship races. Yeah, it seems to really prepare you, you know, like Jamie had said earlier, with just like the different holds and things like that. Um, Savage and CTG have both found ways to use your grip strength in a variety of different ways. And if you run those enough, you're going to hit a rainy race and you're going to have to work out alternative techniques to be able to conquer some of those obstacles uh, when, when the weather, you know, isn't ideal. And I feel like women have a little harder time usually doing that because their hands are smaller. You can't completely grip the hold or you can't grip you know, your your thumb to your fingers because of the size of the holds and things like that. So um, it's, it seemed to really play a, a big deal in these championship races. And then on top of that, the championship races are gender neutral, usually. So the rig doesn't change for the men or for the women. That's true also, yeah. So speaking of that, do you think there should be uh, different lanes for pro men and pro women at these championship races or do you like it that it's gender neutral everyone has to deal with the same course um i i like the gender neutrality i mean i really do um because i feel like that a lot of times um i i don't know if i could speak for ashley but sometimes i like to compare myself to the guys that i'm running against and you know i i kind of take a pride in being able to um do well at something and maybe even better than what a guy can do. Um, you know, maybe other women feel the same way, but, you know, it makes me feel good about myself anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true because there will be times where if you beat a guy, it's as easy as, oh, well, she only had 25 pounds, I had 50. Or, you know, her lane of the rig was way easier than mine was. So, no wonder she beat me and it's nice to just be able to be like no she just beat you because she beat you <laughs> right yeah, that's the go-to male excuse it's like yeah my my sandbag was like 10 pounds heavier it's like yeah she beat you by like 20 minutes though and you're like 
<laughs> yeah, no, the the wind, the Coriolis effect, it doesn't, you know, it it affected how, you know, it's like, uh, but yeah. There's always something, but yeah, it's nice to be on an even playing field, because that takes a, a lot of the excuses out. Of course, you can't excuse things like rain, you know, if it was raining for one and not the other, but I mean, for the most part, it, it's nice to be able to say you're on a level playing field. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of like it. I think it's, I think it's super cool, especially for the championship races where you know the pros and the age groupers and the journeymen are all facing essentially the exact same course with the same holds um regardless of your gender regardless of your age i think it it creates it like you said a point of pride where you know someone can be like all right i did the exact same thing the pro division was doing so right and and that also adds to the fun of doing the journeyman is to know that you know, yeah, maybe you didn't qualify this year to, quote, compete, but you did get to run the championship course. And, and you know, there's no, there's no, it's not like a consolation prize. Like, you really ran the actual championship course. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jamie, as a high-level OCR athlete, take us through an average week in your life. Like, what does your training look like? What does your rest days look like? And uh, how that plays out. Well, um, it was kind of funny. I was looking uh, the other day. I had written out a um, like a training schedule for myself, and I kind of laughed because that really doesn't always happen all the time. Um, but uh, typically, um, I I normally have Mondays off, so that'll be like um, I'll try to get in a run. Um, CrossFit has become another addiction of mine, so um, I'll go do two CrossFit sessions on Mondays. Um, so I have like a, a triple workout day on, on Monday. Um, Tuesdays I, I might either take off or I'll go into CrossFit. It also kind of depends on if I can wake up on time in the morning. <laughs> I thought you were um, going to say if you can walk the next day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I might be limping, but... <laughs> um, Wednesday, so Tuesday and Wednesday, I try to get in, like, a CrossFit session or two. Um, Thursday ultimately becomes a rest day, not because I want it, but because I kind of have to. Um, I end up working my long days on Thursday, so um, I'll ultimately take it off because I'm working 7 to 8. So last thing I want to do is work out that day, and I need a break anyway. Um, Friday, I might... Um, run and, and do another CrossFit session. Saturdays, I'm either racing or uh, working, and then I'll try to get a run in on Sunday. Um, if I don't run on Sunday, then I'm relaxing, taking care of all my animals running around here. So, I know it sounds kind of, kind of boring, <laughs> but... Now, you mentioned you liked CrossFit. Any chance we're going to see you at TMX? Coming up, you, you know, I would love to, and I'm I'm really bummed out that I missed this last one. Um, you know, my fiance's family is Greek, and so it happened to fall on Greek Easter this time, so I couldn't go. But yes, I, if I can make it's it, the only real Easter. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> there you go. I'm Greek, so that's uh, uh, perfect. So you yeah. know, so you know, there was no way it was gonna be able to drive. Miami and make it back in time for dinner. <laughs> right, right. So, 
Um, but yeah, um, I definitely would love to see how I could do with that. It, the videos of it looked awesome, and from what I kept hearing from everybody, I, I think I could do pretty well. So, yeah, definitely. Meanwhile, I couldn't even lift that ball once and throw it over my shoulder. So I'm definitely going to let Jamie uh, uh, steal the field there at the, the TMX. Uh, I, I know better than to even show up. <laughs> 2017, it was very OCR heavy where the, the workout stations were divided. In 2018, they put all the workout stations next to each other, so it played more to the CrossFit crowd. So uh, we think we saw a reversal there. So we'll see if they keep that for 2019 or if it switches back or maybe changes completely. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for reminding me about that. <laughs> now, you you mentioned you're on the uh, MIT Tough team. Tell us a little bit about that or MIT Tough. Yeah, so um, it, it's really a, a group of amazing, awesome people. Um, I got on it a few years ago. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was back in 2016. Um, but yeah, I know it, it's just it's a group of people that you know wherever you go, you can always find somebody to work out with or race with, and you know show support or get support back. Um, you know, it's it's not just in the U.S. There's you know, different team members all over the world. And um, the really cool thing that is you just meet so many new people with it. So um, it's like a big OCR family. So I feel like it extends beyond the MIT Tufts team also. So, but, yeah, it's really, really cool to, you know, you go to a race and you have team members there. No matter where you go, you're always going to find maybe one or two at least. So... Um, it's just a really good way to um, kind of support each other in the OCR community. I always recommend people join a club or a team. You know, you don't have to be on a pro team or, you know, strength and speed or just some sort of group of people because I think it's nice to have that social interaction and that social support. And then on top of that, from a monetary perspective, right, if you have all these friends all over the place, a lot of times you can stay at their places or – you know, they might help out with certain things. So it's definitely a good experience. Uh, if you're not on a team or some sort of club, I would definitely find one that fits your um, desires or needs. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think I'm like a, an adopted member of MIT also. And, and <laughs> they are set up at all the races. You know, they're super nice group of people. Uh, you know, hey, you want to put your bag in our tent? You want to? I'm not officially a member, but... Yeah, I do love that team and have nothing but but great things um, to say to them. And and honestly, the OCR community is made up a lo of a lot of really good groups of people, and it really helps people stay motivated and keep coming back to events when they have people at the events to look forward to seeing as well. It really, you know, you do feel like a part of the community and. Uh, it's a bigger picture than just yourself as an athlete. So this is an individual sport, you could say, but nobody's really there to be an individual at the end of the day. You know, I, I agree. And one thing that I want to say kind of to extend on that is I feel like with all the friends that you make with it being in OCR with the community and, you know, 
I feel like the competition is like you know you're you're racing against your friends but you're not really like like I don't have anything negative towards my friends they're racing against and if somebody beats me like if Ashley blows me out of the water like I am like genuinely happy for her you know I, I feel like that it kind of goes that way a lot with you know our friendships here in OCRs you you really just you want your friends to do well and you're happy for them if, if they do well and and they're happy for you if you do well and it just it's one big happy family <laughs> <laughs> yep I agree with that for the most part that's for sure I mean if you would have come to my baby shower or things like that and look around you would see that you know 90 percent of the people who were there are people I've met through this sport and you know they're they're people who are by your side within the sport and without you know without the sport and I only know those people through the sport so it it goes to show that the bonds you build through racing are are deeper than just you know superficial um high by friendships yeah, I love yeah, it. Great. Love it. Moving on, you were on the cover of Fit Nation magazine, and you were also on a Savage Race poster slash flyer in 2016. How did that come about, and did they reach out to you, or did you reach out to them? Like, give me the story behind those. Well, I have to say that Ashley is really the one that uh, is responsible for the uh, Fit Nation magazine. Um, I personally think they just put me on the cover because I've got a few tattoos and people generally think that's cool so <laughs> yeah Jamie, Jamie is definitely a badass and she looks the part so I mean they definitely made the right decision when when focusing on the badass chicks of OCR and put Jamie on the cover oh well <laughs> I just I just withstood a few hours of, of pain that's all you're the one with the amazing abs I'm I'm just pretending I have them <laughs> oh please. but but yeah they wanted, so, they wanted the best girls in Florida so they had come to me asking you know who do you hate seeing at the starting line and um you know I, I'm I'm always scared when Jamie shows up so that was a, a pretty easy call <laughs> so did the Fit Nation magazine reach out to you or did you reach out to them or how did you how did that connection occur uh, I think Ashley actually messaged me and, and said, hey, there's this magazine that wanted to do this story on the badass OCR girls. And, you know, she asked if I was interested. I'm like, definitely. So, um, you know, I, I spoke with her and the people from the magazine, and we kind of coordinated that way and did a little photo shoot, which was a lot of fun. I, I kind of wish they used more of the photos from all the the stuff they had us do. Um, but we we got together um, somewhere around Naples, I want to say it was. I don't remember exactly. A few hours from me, anyway. And, um, you know, we got to play, and it was, what was it, like a big retention pond kind of thing? <laughs> it was yeah, like a big know, flooded field, you know. <laughs> your typical OCR, uh, you know, uh, mud and dirt and water, and we were a mess by the time we left, but... It was a, a good experience, and, um, you know, we got we got good feedback on the article, um, you know, and what, what brings people to the sport. Yeah. Cool. Did, so, Ashley, were you the one who reached out to them, or did they reach out to you initially? No, actually, um, Morgan Wright, you might know him as the Moose from American Ninja Warrior. 
yeah, he had a relationship with the magazine uh, for something he had done with them previous, and they had reached out to him and and asked for recommendations uh, for the best girls in Florida. And so he came to me and was like, I know it's you, but who else? Help me out here. And and so I, I reached out to Jamie and Jeanette. Cool. What about the uh, Savage Race poster or flyer? Did they just use a random image, or did you were you like specifically contacted for that? Well, that one was pretty funny because, um, you know, they have photographers everywhere um, at Savage, and they had um, – Lewis was a photographer there, and he was um, taking some photos before the race, and they did a couple after. And uh, um, I didn't really think much of it. He had posted the photos. They looked good. Um, I was excited. You know, everyone likes cool race photos. And then um, one day I got a message from – Sam um, from Savage, and he's like, just so you know, you're on our poster. And he sent me a screenshot. I'm like, oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm never, I, there's no way I'm going to complain about that. And uh, I guess it was on some flyers, too. Um, I had people telling me that their cars were flyered with my photo, and I thought that was pretty exciting. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, and so I've, I've tried to kind of help Savage out any way I can since then because, you know, advertising for a race I love is definitely something that I think is pretty cool. Did you get a giant-sized copy of the poster to hang in your like in your bedroom? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've seen it. She does. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not giant, but yeah, I do. I have a, I have a poster. <laughs> and it's and, funny because I was just going to say that um, my parents have a copy. They put it up on the wall, and they are very proud of it. So it makes me kind of laugh when I go over there and I I see my poster on their <laughs> wall in the house. That's so cute. <laughs> I love it. I know Rachel had a poster, too, so I'm going to have to talk to them and find out why I haven't been on a poster yet. I think we should um, <laughs> have the three of us be like the, the girls. The Florida poster. Of, yeah. <laughs> Well, Rachel's not Florida anymore, but, you know, she's Florida in my mind because she was here for so long. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, close enough. Yeah. So you mentioned you have a lot of tattoos, um, which is pretty obvious (laughs) if anyone's actually seen you. Any stories behind that that are interesting or just just love the the body art? Well, I definitely have always loved tattoos. I remember when I was, I want to say, like 11 or 12 and – telling I think I told my mom that I wanted a tattoo and she was like no way and my dad of course was like you you think you're getting a tattoo nice I really showed them um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean I do um my uh the few of the flowers that I have are, are meaningful um I have a butterfly on my right wrist it's a monarch and I got that after my grandmother passed away um she had um, always loved monarch butterflies, and um, I'm actually named after um, one of my grandmother's kids, my uncle. He passed away when he was 10. I never obviously met him, but he loved monarch butterflies, and, you know, I'm named after him, and when she passed, I just, it felt like the right thing. Oh, and I took her in her 70s to get her first tattoo, and it was also a monarch butterfly, so... I just got chills so bad. That's awesome. <laughs> so a few of the flowers I have are chrysanthemums. They're my grandmother's um, 
birth flower if you look into that type of thing. Um, um, so otherwise, I kind of just um, tied everything together that way and with the flowers and the swirly water. And um, I've got a Hawaii tattoo on my hip. People probably don't typically see. I used to live there. Um, other than that, I, I have a whole lot more empty skin. I'm just now looking and realizing it's been a while since I've gotten more done. So I should probably make an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> How many would you say you have if you had to give a number? Well, back when I first started, I would be able to give you a number. Um, I guess you could count each arm as one. So one, two, and then my chest is three. <laughs> but, I mean, at this point... <laughs> one. The, your full <laughs> arm is one. Okay. okay <laughs> They're all... <so. laughs> Probably You have to go by hours once you get to a certain point. And I would say I have over 50 hours of tattooing so far, at least. So far. But I, I stopped counting it. a while ago. That's a lot. Ashley, you don't have any, do you? I have four, oh, yeah. Do you really? I just, like, keep mine hidden. <laughs> Why is it you think they're not more women tattooed in OCR, right? Like, you, I think I feel like when you look at the start line, you're the only one with, like, full sleeves. <laughs> yeah, I've I can seen see. a few partial sleeves, but not not a whole lot of full. Um, honestly, I don't know. And I'm, specifically, I'm talking about the elite level, right? Like, so, you, you know, you'll see all sorts of, uh, you know, body types and styles and stuff like that in the yeah. open ways and stuff. But at the elite level, there's very few, like, fully tattooed uh, racers. I, I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's probably just due to the amount of women in general who are fully tattooed. It's probably much less than, than men, I would think, but Jamie would definitely know better than I would. Uh, well, maybe they're putting all their money into racing instead of tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. That's probably it. <laughs> all right, we're going to start wrapping it up. Before we go, I usually like to do this if I have three people on the podcast, so... Let's share one thing people would be surprised to know about you. And Ashley or Jamie, whoever wants to start it off, can go first. Because I'm following up on something I already told about my tattoos. So um, I do have tattoos. Uh, I keep most of them hidden. I have a soccer ball on my back because, like Jamie, I played soccer um, through high school and stuff like that. So that was the one I got when I was 18. And when I came home with the bandage, you know, with the blood and the ink and everything. My parents, well, I should say my mom because my dad would have murdered me, but my mom definitely thought it was fake. She thought it was a sticker, so that's awesome. <laughs> so that's my, my secret. I have I have a couple <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> I feel like now is the perfect time to get it covered up into an OCR yeah, tattoo. Yeah, I know. Probably, that probably just morph it. I, I think mean, some I mean, races offer discounts now if you get a tattoo with a logo. Just uh, what about Battle Frog? Can I get a Battle Frog uh, discount? <laughs> oh, Lifetime man. pass you get. Right. Just need the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it'll be perfect. You get the fist overlaid on the uh, soccer ball, and then the frog will be, like, enormous and go onto your shoulder and probably into oh. your, the front of your <laughs> it body. It'll be great. So it'll be great. I'll have to... Uh, uh, I have to see what my parents think after I get that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right, Jamie, uh, oh, what do you man. got? <laughs> you know, um, I'd like to say maybe had something to do with my animals, but everyone knows I have a million of them because that's all I post on my social media, I think, is pictures of them. Um, well, I could say, you know, I've talked a little bit about addiction before, about being addicted to OCR and CrossFit. But my biggest addiction that I have is peanut butter. And it's probably, <laughs> <laughs> it's to a really horribly unhealthy level. Like, I, um, my, my fancy is probably going to be like, what is wrong with you? But I um, actually have to have him lock up the peanut butter in the house because I will <laughs> eat it all. <laughs> so, I mean, literally the entire jar. So we have a little um, locking uh, suitcase, if you will, in the, in the pantry <laughs> full of peanut butter. <laughs> and um, any other sweets that I randomly buy and tell them, lock this up, I can't eat it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Is it the same thing with almond butter, or are you, like, strictly you know, hardcore do, peanut butter I'm here? Not like, uh, I'm not going to judge against any kind of nut butter. It's it's cashew butter. I mean, almond butter. <laughs> Have you ever had coconut butter? That is amazing, too. So, um, Me yeah, I have not. <laughs> yeah, all, all kinds of butters I, I have a problem with. <laughs> I highly recommend there's an almond butter with maple in it. And it actually is not that – it's like it has like one gram of sugar more than regular Find me almond up. butter. So, um, I'm a big fan of that. I would definitely check that out. Uh, I don't have anything prepared. I'm, I'm at, No tattoos? I'm, I got nothing, nothing today. Okay, we can go with tattoos. Um, so I, I actually just released an episode yesterday as we're recording this about the tattoo on the inside of my arm, which is for my – uh, college roommate or housemate, whatever you want to call it, uh, that died in Iraq in April of 2007. Um, so that's a pretty serious episode if you want to go back and listen to that. But the one on my back is uh, Orthodox Cross, and uh, a lot of people see that and they're, they're just kind of confused because they've never seen a cross that looks like that. And I actually got that one after one of my other friends um, was shot in Iraq. He survived. He's fine. Uh, minus like a piece of his bicep is like permanently gone because he got hit wow. in the tricep, came out his bicep. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I actually ended up getting that uh, my senior year of college, and it's a uh, Orthodox cross. So it's got the um, so it's got three bars on it, um, okay. three cross beams essentially, which is supposed to be like the Holy Trinity. And then the reason the bottom one is angled the way it is is because when Jesus was on the cross, essentially one uh, criminal on his right repented, you know, and Jesus was like, "Tonight you'll be with me in heaven." And then the other criminal was like you know, prove you're the God and save your, save yourself. So he went down to hell. So that's why the bottom bar is slanted like that. So it's yeah. kind of some interesting facts there on why that crosses. That is very there. interesting. So, yeah. yeah. I would never have known all that. So I definitely, I definitely learned something new today <laughs> and I have not listened to the other podcast yet, but I have it, you know, on my to go list. So I, it sounds like I'll need to bring some tissues just in case. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty heavy one. Obviously, we're talking about uh, you know, twenty-two-year-old widow and one of my good friends that died. So it's uh, it's pretty serious. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go for like a uh, one of my Leah from the OCR uh, from the Strength and Speed team was like, yeah, I went, I listened to it on the run. I was pretty bummed out by the end. It's like 
Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, I've made so. that mistake with sad podcasts and running at the same time, and next thing you know, you can't breathe on your run because you're choking back tears, and and so I appreciate the warning. <laughs> yeah, I lose it a little bit during it, but I went back and listened to it today, and I, I don't sound too I don't sound too bad, uh, but I was definitely getting choked up oh. in there, and uh, it's weird because I talk I talk about that I, I talk about that pretty much any time, but. When I'm talking with Jenna, who's the widow and also one of my good friends, like it puts my guard down and like I'm, I feel like I'm especially vulnerable. And then I was describing like the specific events of when I found out he died, which um, again, when you're recalling like specific memories, there are strong emotions tied to those memories. So like talking through it, I couldn't even like, I could barely finish the story. Well, that's as good a reason as any yeah. to be uh, emotional and, and, and have your guard down. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then on top of that, right, like, I don't usually don't, I usually don't go, go into that much detail with people. You know, people are like, oh, what's the Keep tattoo on the inside of your arm? Yeah. You know, it's for my college roommate. That Yeah, yeah. So, um. All right. Uh, <laughs> ooh, another bum, another bum ending. I'm, I'm killing myself here. Oh, man. All right. Um, before we go, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, if people want to get in to MIT Tough team, MIT Tough, how do they do that or who do they reach well, out to? Well, um. James Stangle, he is the um, team captain for USA. Um, I'm going to butcher uh, Camille's name if I go into him for um, outside the U.S. But um, if you're in the U.S., James Stangle, he's a really, really awesome guy, great person, um, really supportive of all the teammates, and he really cares about everybody individually um, he he would be the one to reach out to so um, if you looked him up on uh, Facebook I'm sure you could find him there but he is he's the man to talk to I would say or or any of us really we could refer somebody to perfect before we go any final shout outs or thank yous you want to give to sponsors family friends stuff like that Jamie? well um, one thing I do want to say um, I want to um, kind of shout out X Racewear because I've been wearing their arm sleeves to protect my awesome tattoos for several years now. Um, they've been through a lot of different races and hold up really well. So um, they've also helped get me to um, OCR World Championships uh, just this past fall. So definitely got to shout them out. Um, I also am kind of uh, open so if anybody needs uh, some athlete to, to help you know advertise some of their stuff hey I'm open <laughs> <laughs> and she's a model ask Savage <laughs> she has experience <laughs> there you go nice Ashley what do you got shout out to CTG Pro Team we got one CTG left of the season so I'm really excited I have a flight to Little Rock and this is a bonus race for me I was not expecting to be there so shout out to the CTG pro team and for anybody who has not run one yet try to get out to conquer the gauntlet for the last race of the season this will probably come out like the night before so yeah. buy a last minute plane ASAP. ticket ASAP, why stand by if you have to it's worth it <laughs> Awesome. I'm going to give a couple quibble quick shout-outs. I just released a whole – I just submitted a whole bunch of articles to Mud Run Guide, so that will be coming out real soon. 
but I just uh, one of my articles on quitting just was published through Softleet, so Special Operations Forces Athlete. I would go check that out. I think those are really good. I put a lot of work into them, so head over to that. And then if you head over to the Strength and Speed store, our bleg mitts are selling out super fast. Um, by the time this comes out, we'll probably be out of medium, so we'll probably just have small and large left, and we're running really low on large. So if you want a bleg mitt before World's Toughest Mudder, that's the mitten that's basically made of neoprene, and you can pull your hand out and then do the obstacles and then put your hand back in uh, really easily. Um, go ahead, head over and order one of those today. Also, besides the two books that are, we've talked about a whole bunch in this podcast, Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing and Mud Run Guide's Ultra OCR Bible, we also just released on the CTG Pro Team webpage, so ctgproteam.com, uh, the book called Conquering the Gauntlet. So it's a Conquer the Gauntlet-specific book, and it helps you prepare and train for Conquer the Gauntlet races. It includes updated information, including like the latest variants of the rig uh, that we saw at CTG uh, Wichita. So uh, some great tips in there. And every obstacle is broken into strength and technique and how to prepare for each one. And then on top of that, it has like 10 specific CTG workouts that help you prepare for the race. And then it's got, you know, kind of plug and play plan. So beginner, intermediate, advanced. It's basically like a week long schedule and you plug your own workouts into it. Um, kind of gives you like the base model, allows you to develop your own schedule. So great book for anywhere from beginners all the way up to pros going for the podium. So go head over to ctgproteam.com, check that out, pick up a copy, or if you're going to be at CTG Little Rock, uh, buy it in person. If you buy it at Little Rock, um, I could autograph my beautiful photo that graces the backside of the book, I believe, correct? <laughs> that is correct. You are on the right. uh, back Little cover. Little Rock, I can autograph so. someone's copy, you know, if they want the collector's edition. And then I think you're also in there probably one or two well, times. There we go. Additionally, I'd have to uh, actually go back and look. I think there's one of you. One of you crossing the rig. I know is at least in there. I'm not sure if there's. I think there might be a no, awesome. stairway one. I'm not sure. I feel I'll have to go famous. back and look. <laughs> cool. Well, Jamie, thanks again for coming on. It was great talking to you. And Ashley, yeah, thanks for again sure. for co-hosting. Okay. All right. Thanks Thank for you. having me.